It's my pleasure to welcome Phil Robertson. He is the founder of Duck Commander and host of the Unashamed podcast. And he's the author of the new book, Uncanceled, Finding Meaning and Peace in a Culture of Accusations, Shame, and Condemnation. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, good to be with you. Hey, I I was really excited when I saw your book. I, I was like, okay. And then I opened it up and saw how much scripture you have in here. And then I really, I kind of, I was like, okay, I can't, I, I have to rip through this over the weekend. So my first question is always, why did you write this book? What, what made you pour your heart out in here um, and, and bring this to the American people? Well, you are aware of what I am aware of. I'm just watching our culture. I've been here watching our culture, part of it, for 75 years. And what I see is a pattern. And the pattern I'm seeing and I think you will agree that our people, Americans, we have a, uh, a tremendous love problem. Jesus said, love God, greatest commands in the Bible, love God and love each other. Listen to this. You've heard it said, this is Matthew chapter 6, right toward the end, chapter 5, right toward the end. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven or daughters. Here's, here's my point there. Look, there's enough hatred to go around. Even the ones that tried to cancel me, it cost our company and all when, when they because I quoted a Bible verse of all things, which is what I just did. I mean, they came at me and they hated me. I didn't even know these people. They just came down here, asked me was homosexual behavior, did I believe it was a sin? I quoted First Corinthians 6 in that case, 9 and 10, don't be deceived, neither the sex immoral, the idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, Greedy, drunkards, swindlers, thieves, slanderers, they won't enter the kingdom of God. So I just quoted the Bible verse. The news media, amazingly, for almost a month, didn't know that my answer to his question was a Bible verse. I figured I'd, <laughs> I'd let him argue with God. Right, because you so, didn't write it. <laughs> but that you did not write that. That's from the Bible. So they really do need to argue with him. I love I love how people don't know what you said, where it came from. I, I just think that's amazing. Yep. I do too. So I said well, maybe if I write a book and explain to these people who are doing all this, here's another one in John fifteen. I, I'm giving you these texts because so far I mean, I'm just one man in a nation of 340 million people, and this is the first time I've heard someone come up and say, why don't we all just get together, come to Jesus, our sins will be removed, guaranteed we'll be raised from the dead, we've got life and immortality on the line here, why don't we just follow Jesus, love him? and love each other, try that for a while. I mean, this doesn't seem to be working out. <laughs> so G- Jesus talking, he said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, 
You do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. So I'm just giving you those two, two or three little texts to let you know. Listen to this. Here's a definition of love. But unfortunately, these people that are going around canceling their neighbor and doing all these horrific things to each other, they don't know this. They Look, where, where would they get it? The schools won't let you say anything about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, colleges, high school, junior high, grade school. No, it, that, that's outlawed. So we're living in a culture 60 years later after they passed all these laws that you can't bring God into schools. And we wonder why we have all these children running around, young people, shooting, looting, burning, destroying property, I mean, and writing F.U. with spray paint all over the walls. You're like, what in the world has happened to us? Listen, love, this is 1 Corinthians 13, is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It's not proud. Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. <laughs> Love, check this out, keeps no record of wrongs. That, that's one of my favorites because that's the hardest to do. That is absolutely one of the hardest things as Christians that we're called to do, which is not remember the wrongs that have been done to us. Um, and I, and so I, I love the scriptures that you're sharing. And I actually had, I, I, when, as I was reading, I had one here and it's in what is cancel culture? The chapter you read about what is cancel culture? And you yep. write here that this made you sad, um, that, that Christ has not been glorified. And you said you weren't around in the first century, but from what you've read in the New Testament and from what you've observed about human nature, attempting to cancel others is as old as the hills even among Christians, right. and it's what Paul was referring to in Philippians 1, 15, 17. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. And so this is something that I think is, is also the problem. People go to church and they get hurt, and so then they stay away, and then they don't know what the Bible says. And God actually yep. holds us accountable for that because if we don't know what it says, we, if we, don't, we don't get a pass. Well, I didn't know what it said. Actually, it's it's right there. We live in an age where you have no excuse for not knowing what it says because it's on your phone. You can literally just say, hey, Siri, Philippians 1, and it will read it to you. So you don't have any excuse for not knowing. But that is the impact of having Christ and the scriptures stricken out of schools, out of public life, out of education, out of everything. People don't even know what it says. So they're unaware, which makes them even angrier when you tell them what it says. Because I, I think that's what you're, you're talking about. You know the scripture. You tell people what it says. They immediately get angry. They're offended because you're telling them things. They, they have no exposure at all. And it's immediately offensive to them. Yep. Well, see, I know from listening to you, literally down to, for, to a few minutes, I know you're a daughter of the Almighty. I've just heard what you just said, and I said, well, finally, I get a daughter of the Almighty to talk to because <laughs> I've been doing the—listen, girl, I've been doing these interviews all day, beginning <laughs> this morning. In the morning, we started at 7. And listen, everybody said, well, you know, conservative, you know, right wing, left wing. I said, I said wait a minute. Let's get off the wings, and let's get all the, the liberal left wingers and liberals. I said, I've gone down that road before. Look. This thing, let's face it, 
it, my sister, it's not going to be a political fix. Now, we can look at that and say, do what? I don't think it's a political fix. I think it's a spiritual fix. And if and until everybody, everybody, they're, they're, they're going to go their own way once you get to about the teenage years and 20 years old, you're going to decide, are you going to follow Jesus or the evil one? So you look at this. I'm trying to just get them. I said, well, maybe I can just get them with the, the, what Jesus said. Maybe I can do that. What he did for them became flesh, kept the law 100% ever jot and tittle, dies a horrible death to get us out from under that code, and guarantees we can be raised from the dead. And I've been hollering about that for almost 50 years. I was a heathen like the heathens that are running around and canceling everybody, this and that and the other. I've been a heathen and a drunkard and a whoremonger. But when I ran up on Jesus, I said, whoa, whoa, Nelly. So watch. <laughs> Let no debt remain outstanding. This is at Romans 13. Except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Now listen to this. The commandments do not commit adultery. If you love God and your neighbor, you will keep your sex between you and your, your mate. One woman, one man, they marry, they become one flesh. Keep your sex right there. If you, if you love God, you will do that because he's told you to do that. You're not going to try to murder at somebody. If the other ones, listen to this. Uh, the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then this, love does no harm to its neighbor. You're like, we have a love deficit going on in this country, and the only place we can find it is with God. He is love. But you see what I'm trying to tackle here. I do. I, I, I do. Three, I've written three or four books, but I said, well, maybe I can just get with the scriptures and get them to see this, and maybe they'll repent, turn to God. You know, you read these Romans 1 about the, you know, the Roman Empire, you, whew, you know, they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave him over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And well, the rest see of that, that list there mm-hmm. is horrible. It is. It's horrible. But, you know, the, all of the warnings are in Scripture. We've been warned. Um, and you have in and this is where did cancel culture come from? In that chapter, you talk about without God to temper our outrage, our anger can become more important than the things we say we're angry about. Rage becomes the God of the godless. This is exactly what we find in Scripture. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And that's Psalm 2, 1 through 3 ESV. So you go on in here talking about where the rage comes from and that it comes from throwing off God's restraints and setting ourselves up as the ultimate ruler. And if you read that and then just think for a second, like, don't take offense to it. Don't don't think about yourself. Just think about what you're seeing all over America. 
you know, the, the rise in yep. crime, the rise in the refusal to adhere to norms and rules, the, the, the complete removal of norms in education, teaching, allowing children to read pornographic books in, in public schools and in uh, public libraries, the drag queen story hours. All of it is an example of you throw off the restraint. The rage is unleashed. There's no love, as you mentioned, to kind of counterbalance that. And then it's what we see right now. So it's not, you're right. That's the right. politics is just a tool. Politics is a tool like drills or ladders. We're not obsessed with drills. We're not obsessed with ladders. We shouldn't be obsessed with politics. But we can use politics to change our government and to manage it. But it can't manage everything. Politics can't be everything. And, and that's what you're talking that's about right. here. With this rage is because we're using the tool meant to manage government to try to manage everything. And, of course, that's going to make people angry. Yep. One thing's for sure. We know, you and I both, we know that governments, edicts, all that, it, it, they can't remove our sin. And two, none of those government things can raise us from the dead. In other words, we've got immortality riding on this. It's the only story I've ever read that guaranteed immortality. So, and, and, and Jesus who showed up keeps the law, dies to get us out from under it, and guarantees we can be raised from the dead. I've converted many, many, many people, but I'm just looking at it saying we need to do this on a bigger scale than we currently are. <laughs> so yeah. maybe through a book, maybe it pricks people's hearts and we turn to God in a massive repentance. And I would be happy to see, you know, if a million turned, I would say out of the 300 and whatever million we have, if I just saw a million turn, if the book can do that, I'll be happy. Well, and so would I, first of all, so would I. But I also know that, you know, so God is a God of order. And so when, when you have a book like this, like I notice you are talking about scripture here, but you are also connecting it and showing how the everyday events that we're currently experiencing, every chapter has everyday events in it that are connected to this. So it's not like you're, you're picking up the Bible and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm reading chapter and verse here. It's connecting what God's word says to the events of the day. And you even mentioned like the reason, yeah, yeah, the reason I did it that way is because think about it. The model now, the American model of Christianity you, you go to church on Sunday morning, as they say, go to mm-hmm. church. They are the church, but they, they've got it down to going to church, which is, doesn't make sense. But anyway, they, 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 they go to church, and when they walk out of that building, they're going about their business until the next time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's 168 hours in a week, and, you know, you're there in a church building listening to the choir singing. In other words, uh, for a couple of hours, it's just not enough. I'm trying to get people to understand to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be ready and to get it. That's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you meet with the brothers and sisters and kind of relax and be, be, be very thoroughly happy because of the position you're in in Jesus. Your sins are gone. He's not counting your future ones against you. He's mediating for you 24-7. But we just have got it down to a couple hours a week. But we don't understand that this has to be, and we have to reach out to our neighbor with the gospel. If we don't, the numbers are just not going to add up. We need to get more fire, is what I'm saying, as Mm -hmm. we love our neighbor and love Mm -hmm. our God. 
Amen. So you said, and and uh, who participates in cancel culture? In that chapter, you said, but I've noticed that people who cancel others don't seem to be all that happy. If you spend just a few moments watching the newscast with the rioters from Antifa, BLM, and the people who broke into the Capitol, you didn't see a happy throng of joyful people. Instead, you heard cursing. You saw rocks and Molotov cocktails. That is correct. And I'm laughing because these are very unhappy people. I thought to myself, well, Biden, is, is he's going into the presidency. Um, we're we're going to see all this stuff calm down. The people were still rioting in Portland in early January. The same time the people were going into the Capitol on January 6th, Portland had riots and and looting and all kinds of stuff going on. It just went under the yep. radar, not reported on mainstream media because, you know, that, that part was over. We didn't need to cover it anymore because the George Floyd saga was closed and complete. But the rioting is still going on there. They still have people in the streets and they're hitting uh, police precincts and federal courthouses with these bombs and stuff. So this is something that's ongoing. These unhappy people, they're not it's not like Joe Biden can make them happy. It's not like his policies can make them happy. Passing bills doesn't make them happy. So we know that their anger doesn't come from a place where they're angry because they're not getting what they want. They're angry, but it it doesn't stem from that. So. You're telling well, the, people. Well, well, all we can do is, as a as a group, we can move forward. Check this out. At Second Timothy three, I don't know whether we're in the last days or not, but uh, at some point we'll have to be. Uh, Hebrews one, verse one, two or three. There, it says, "Used to and the God we worked through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days He has spoken to us through His Son." Well, that's a pretty good text. It says, "Ever since Jesus showed up." We've been marked that the, the days are getting shorter and shorter on when he's going to come down and his wrath will come with him and his love and goodness for his people. Mark this. It's what Second Timothy Paul said to Timothy. Mark this, meaning don't, don't miss this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, and check this one, unforgiving, you're like, mm-hmm. man, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You read a text like that, and you say, oh my goodness, what in the world have we done? We're so, there. That's the what I hear. When I, I read that, I say we're there. <laughs> we're already there. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like we we're there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just, I love our country. I mean, it's founded on great principles, you know, the Declaration of Independence, you know, and you, 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 you say, what, I caught a country. But in these last, oh, 15 or 20 years, I've just seen it begin to collapse. Look, I had a college professor who taught history for 40 years. I said, research every empire, go all the way back to every one of Mesopotamia, I think was the first one. But he started right there. I said, and come all the way through to modern-day America, China, Russia, India, the four or five empires that's now standing. And I said, I want to I note what happened to them. And he said, Phil, every one of them collapsed. Every one uh, up to modern day. So I'm just trying to get people to see if all the other empires have risen and fallen, we will be no different than all the rest of them unless there's a gigantic change in our hearts. 
Yeah. And that change comes from, from my own personal experience, change in my heart comes from delving into the scripture because it's the mirror that shows me who I really am. Cause I can go on Instagram and I can get, you know, a few hundred likes on, on posts that I make. I can go on Facebook and Twitter. I can even go on my website and I can get the kind of, I guess, confirmation that will help make me feel very comfortable with who I am. But when I go in the scripture, there is no, there are no likes, there's no, uh, there's no filter. I just have to be me and I have to read what's there. And you mentioned in, in the scripture you mentioned, it always makes me think of Second Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who yep. is the image of God. Yep. And so when I, when I think about that, the only way they're coming in, the Bible says no man comes to the Father except they're drawn by him. And so they have to be drawn by him. And that comes from us praying and saying, Lord, please bring, first of all, sin revival and bring these people the truth so that they can see Jesus Christ and understand why he came for us and why he did what he did. Because, um, you know, Titus tells us why, but you can't, you can't just crack the Bible open as an unbeliever and fully understand it. You have to know Jesus. And Titus 2.14 yep. says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And the only way I can become zealous for good deeds is to read the word and hide it in my heart so that it can change me so that I would want that because on my own, I don't want to be zealous for good deeds. I want to be zealous for me. I want to be zealous for my family and my kids and my, you know, my house and, and, and all that good stuff. None of that's wrong, but I need to be zealous for good deeds first and then all the rest of that. So I just can't recommend it enough. Um, I, I have on my list so far for the past few months, I've been reading, I mean, just so many good books out there. Um, but this one I put on my, like my must reads for people because you get so real in here. Like you share some of your own personal things and th yep. that's the kind of stuff that helps people understand. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's not anybody who's listening who like if they've been through something, everyone has, that's not the point of this. The point isn't that nobody's been through anything. The point is that Jesus, he doesn't care about what you've been through. He cares about you knowing him that, and that's it. Yep. It's not about what we've been through or how horrible we've been or as we've all been pretty horrible. I mean, we, <laughs> there's none of us who can say, Oh, not me. I've not been horrible. I'm the one, I'm the one who's not been horrible. You're lying. If you say that yep. to yourself and to us. So um, I just, I want to make sure people know they can get the book on Amazon. It's now I have my own pre-copy cause I'm, I'm special. I got, I got it early, but you can buy it. You can mouth. actually <laughs> right. The more the, well, you got to know the right you, people. Girl. That's right. So you got to go on, and you can actually. It's by Nelson Books. Harper Collins is your publisher. Um, you can go on Amazon. Just type in Phil Robertson, and Uncancel will come up right away. Um, it's in pre-sale, and it is doing very well. I'm so excited for you that you wrote this. That other people can now, through your influence and your wide-ranging reach, get this and get into what you're sharing. I recommend people buy the book, Phil Robertson, Duck Commander, founder and host of the Unashamed podcast at Duck Commander PR. God bless you, sir. It is a pleasure to have spoken to you tonight. Hey, thank you. And be, be, be sure of this, for all the ones who, are, who curse me and all of that, <laughs> they might as well not do it because I've never owned a cell phone. <laughs> it doesn't work because you can't be canceled. I'm rolling down here without a cell phone, none. So Dan knows what that computer do and all that, but but other people do that. But I've never even owned one of them. I said, so I'm not hearing you. <laughs> well, you know, but that even if you were, what I found is God gives us grace for that. Um, and the anger, it just drives me forward to continue to do what I have to do because I know 
what I know what my my assignment is. So the anger, Jesus even said, um, your, your disapproval means nothing to me. (laughs) So if he said that, I'm good. (laughs) You you have a nice night and I love you, my sister. Ah, thank you so much, Phil. I love you too. Thank you for coming on. Um, and blessings on the book. You don't need it. It's going to go wide and far. Hey, thank you.